Welcome to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. We'll talk clinical scenarios, interesting Absite facts, and interesting general surgery knowledge. Now, let's get to it. Hi guys, welcome back to Absite Smackdown Podcast. This is your host, Jessica, and with me today is Dr. David Kashmir. Hi, Dr. David. Jessica, it's good to be back. <laughs> it's always a pleasure having you on, sir. So basically, this week I really want to talk about surgical misadventures. <laughs> oh, surgical misadventures. So what got me thought thinking about surgical misadventures is I was trying to figure out for my blog what common mistakes residents make when they're learning and learning surgeries. And when researching that, I kept coming across articles on malpractice and things like that. And it said the most common mistake was usually critical thinking errors. Do you have any insight on that, Dr. David? Yeah, we really need to watch using medical malpractice claim data and tort law data uh, to decide where our root issues are for uh, surgical misadventures and more broadly um, issues, outcomes issues in healthcare. Uh, you know, it sort of catalogs things differently uh, than what we might, you know, think of them as as surgeons. You know, for example, if a surgeon cuts an iliac artery because the area is stuck and the person's had multiple iliac artery uh, bypasses or uh, distal uh, bypasses from that area, you know, is that really a thought error? Is that really a cognitive error? No, but, you know, med malpractice data or tort law data may say, well, the surgeon misidentified the area and, well, kind of, but really it was just so stuck and we'd all acknowledge that as surgeons. Now that said, Jessica, I will tell you, there's a great book uh, called Gordon's Guide to the M&M. And the M&M, as you know, is our morbidity and mortality conference where we try to learn from how things went. And I won't get into how M&M has some biases. It has a strong capture that how in the moment you make a decision, you don't have perfect data. You have limited data. But I'll tell you, Gordon's Guide to the M&M includes the thought that most issues, in fact, in surgery uh, are or have their roots in uh, decision-making errors, their thought errors. And it's interesting because that's one of the ones we actually least commonly or most least commonly talk about. So thought errors really are a big deal ultimately for how we decide stuff in surgery. Okay, so for surgical misadventures, do you have any good stories to tell in that area and also are they critical thinking errors or something more to it? Well, usually the fact of the matter is when you see any problem in healthcare, a bunch of things had to line up to cause it. We call them uh, uh, the Swiss cheese model of errors in healthcare. There are a lot of holes in the cheese and they all kind of have to line up. Some patient factors, some personal factors, some technical factors, all these things to see a surgical misadventure. I kind of think of it as a game of Frogger more than uh, cheese because, you know, cheese just kind of sits there. But Frogger, you know, the cars are kind of coming different speeds and there's a lot going on and there's a lot of bright colors. So I think of outcome problems more like lines of traffic related to lines of traffic in a game of Frogger. And uh, I guess that dates me because I don't think anybody plays Frogger anymore. I don't know how to do it with Mortal Kombat to talk about a better uh, story or video game that'd be more modern. I don't have that. I can't do it with Mario Kart either, but I can say that Frogger's a good analogy. And yes, I do. Uh, for example, 
Um, once upon a time, and we have to be careful how we talk about these. A patient was in the recovery room when the surgeon walked out and said, oh, wow, uh, we just need to go back to the OR. He was real relaxed about it, you know, calm, et cetera. And they said, oh, okay, well, patient's doing fine. Everything okay? He said, yeah, you know, we realized after we finished everything that, you know, we'd put the gallbladder in this bag and we'd put it over the liver to kind of leave it there and wash the area out and like good safe surgeons, make sure it's completely dry with no oozing. And we looked around the rest of the belly because the patient had some other things that we need to look at. Uh, they had endometriosis and some other things that we had to do beyond the gallbladder, which we don't typically do. But unfortunately, we never did go back and get that bag with the gallbladder in it. <laughs> and it's still in there. Uh, so their gallbladder is in a little bag. It's kind of a see-through plastic bag that we use. They're fine. We just probably should take that out. And, uh, you know, and that'd be the safe thing to do. And so they did. And it did require another anesthetic for the patient. Now, what lined up? First, Yes, uh, the staff member had been working a whole bunch lately, sure. Second, they had a relatively less experienced assistant than what they normally had. Third, they were interrupted multiple times during the case uh, by things they shouldn't have been. Fourth, the patient had some extra stuff they had to do. Uh, and this is the difference between, you know, what really causes issues in surgery and healthcare versus the illusion of it. You know, you sit at M&M and you just, you think to yourself, oh gosh, that was so thoughtless. But come on, this surgeon is a great surgeon who's done this all the time. He's excellent throughout his career. And uh, I'm not telling stories out of school because I'm not saying where or when, but rather saying, you know, this is a very excellent uh, surgeon. And we have a couple words I wanna share for the audience out there. One is schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is German for dark joy. It's the joy you experience when someone else has a problem. Uh, so like in Eminem, you're sitting there and you hear about it and you chuckle to yourself, ha ha ha, that would never be me. And secretly you tell yourself, oh boy, uh, that that guy deserved it because of something else. That's, that's really dark. And there's a word for that. It's called dark joy or schadenfreude. Uh, the dark joy at someone else's pain or suffering. Um, and Eminem gives that illusion, like it should have been so easy to just remember just to take this thing out and how could you ever leave it. But in reality, this very excellent surgeon had, gosh, 18 things going on well beyond what we would typically expect someone to do. And there were patient factors and a bunch of other stuff. So really, the patient did have to endure another anesthesia, Jessica. But the fact of the matter is, there's really, they were fine. There was no harm done to them really or anything like that in fact uh, this surgeon went the extra mile for them gave them a good safe surgery in a in a case where they could have had oozing and some other things owing to some additional factors they had so that's just one example of a sort of a surgical misadventure it seems so simple on the face of it why didn't you just take out that uh, bag with the gallbladder in it but really there's so much more to it the Absite Smackdown podcast is based on the best-selling review book, Absite Smackdown. The only Absite review with an entire video review course included. Visit AbsiteSmackdown.com and pick it up today. I mean, <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh. That story just, I got this visual of, you know, at Thanksgiving where you have to reach up and pull out the bag of all the other stuff that's in there. And that's all I could think about when you're telling the story. And I know that's so inappropriate, but 
that was the visual I got. I do understand, though, because even if you're very talented, you do something a million times and you do it a certain way, when you have someone interrupting you constantly or all these unknown factors, it's it's never perfect. It throws you off. And bad things happen when it is a perfect storm, when there's so many contributing factors to make something that usually is just clockwork go askew. Well, you're so right. And unfortunately, sitting in the uh, either the courtroom or around the table or at M&M, it gives the illusion that you had perfect information, uh, everything that you kind of should have known. You know, you, you had the lab value. Why didn't you see it, even though you really never did because it was buried somewhere or something similar? So those things suffer from what's called a retrospective bias. Sometimes it's called the retrospective bias of tort law uh, when it comes to legal stuff, because you're looking backwards on the situation. And look, after you thought about it for hours and you have all the documents in front of you, it sure is clear. But at 2 a.m., when the lab doesn't really have the document to you, even though the timestamp on it was 1 a.m., but it really wasn't resulted in the computer or anything until 3 a.m. and all those things, it's really not that clear. And the term for that is the fog of war. Fog of war is just all these things going on at the same time that make it unclear. And then the accumulation of all these little things that prevent you from imposing your will on the disease or whatever, that's called friction. So all these little things that add up to prevent you from doing what you do a million times, like taking the, bat, the gallbladder with the bag uh, around it, taking that out, that's friction and fog of war and all these different things that really are what go into medical uh, issues uh, where they, you have a suboptimal outcome. So that's just one little surgical misadventure, and there's really a lot behind it. I loved that story, and I think it was very interesting. And I do know that you always try to be professional and you know be correct and not make anyone look bad or sound bad but I really would love to know just because not only were you obviously a resident yourself going through all of this but then you also ran a residency program I really really want an example of when a resident not maybe just from decision making but just from still in the learning and getting the experience just maybe it doesn't have to be a huge misadventure but just maybe a misstep rather than misadventure um um, that's maybe commonly made by a lot of residents when they're learning that could pertain to just not having experience. Is there anything like that that you could tell us? I know you hate uh, being uh, a yes, professional, so, uh, but you're really you're really pushing me. But okay, I've got I've got one. Uh, first, I want to preference it with uh, preface it rather with uh, residents are you know future colleagues. They're there to learn, and uh, they our job is to you know patiently bring them along in a way that's safe. For the patient and for them. And once upon a time when I was uh, running a trauma and emergency surgery program, I had a very uh, good uh, chief resident with me. So this is much more than you typically get for an exploratory laparotomy and trauma. It's, you know, the, it was um, a patient who had uh, pretty much almost bled to death from their spleen after a motorcycle accident. There's a device you can use called a fish. Uh, its real name is the Glassman Visceral Retractor, if I remember right, but it's like a plastic device that slides over the bowels and everything, and you close the thick layer, the fascia of the belly, uh, while you utilize this device that's, I guess, sort of shaped like a fish, uh, over the bowels, so you can kind of protect them as you stitch everything else up, and then you pull this device out. Well, instead of using that plastic device that has like a, a rope and a string on it that you, lets you pull it out, you can also use an operating room towel. 
And some of these are radio opaque. You do an x-ray and you can see them. So I said to my colleague, okay, I always use a towel over there. We did that in a transplant fellowship a lot. Just put a towel in and then this metal device that is like a long, thin, uh, basically, you know, very flat piece of metal that you slide above the towel and beneath the layer of um, fascia that you're going to close. And what you do is you can use this metal to kind of push down on the towel and it shows you the edge of that fascia very well to make it easy to stitch this close where normally it can be tough. So you do this a similar thing with the fish, but I just happen to use a radio opaque towel and we're doing that. And uh, I'm, you know, just making sure this resident who's a chief resident, but new to me, just making sure they know how to do it. And they did. And so it all's fine. They were doing just right. And I said, okay, uh, to the family, I'll be back in a moment. Um, you know, as you close the fascia, which was acceptable at this time to have the resident staff, especially chief resident, close the fascia that was normal and customary at this center, especially for a resident at that level. So I said, hey, just remember to get the towel out of there, buddy as I walked out of the room. Some surgeons would not have come back to the room, and thank God I did. Uh, because the resident on my way out of the room had said, oh yeah, you know, I'm, uh, yeah. He said, oh yeah, of course, I'm gonna take the towel out. Come on, that's silly. Well, after I left the room, you know, the music went up, everybody started talking, the nurses started doing a million things instead of paying attention uh, to what he was doing, but not just the nursing staff, everybody. And I know that because when I came back in, I kind of stood at the door for a minute. I was learning the place and that was going on. And so I just stopped in and I said, hey, as he's tying down the final knot that will complete closure of the belly, but he hadn't tied it yet. Uh, I said, hey, just how'd that towel come out? And he just looked at me and he goes, oh, and I went, oh, and he went, oh, and I said, okay, well, uh, have you tied that down yet? Like, just trying to be really relaxed about it. And meanwhile, I'm like, oh, my God. And I said, uh, uh, so that's not tied down yet there, huh? And he goes, no, no, we're not tied down yet. I said, okay, well, just go ahead in. And usually I, I take my finger and I sweep the towel from the edge at the top or the bottom. It's the easiest place to get it out. Once you get the edge out, the rest comes out pretty easily. And he goes, oh, okay. And he was, you know, just real relaxed. And he took it out. And I thought to myself, I saw it come out. He had everything else out. I said, okay, counts were good. And I asked, actually, before we took the out, were counts good? We, you know, we do count students every time. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Counts are fine. Well, they clearly weren't fine. Uh, they don't count those towels, apparently, at that center. Even though those towels are radio-opaque, you will see them on x-ray. Not every center uses radio-opaque towels for this, by the way. Um, and the, this long story, Jessica, is to tell you that I had a near-miss uh, almost had a retained entire OR towel in the belly, which uh, I was just very lucky in part that I happened to come back, just dumb luck and a little paranoia and uh, just say, hey, uh, you know, friend, how did that thing come out? And I just thank uh, God every day because that would have been patient went to recovery. And I, again, I think these towels were radio opaque at the center. I would have seen it on x-ray, but it's some they're not. And I do believe the one that we were using was radio opaque. I try to make sure they always are. Uh, but that was a near miss. Um, it would have been very hard to tell. We may not have even gotten an x-ray. Patient may have had a complication like a fistula with the bowel stuck to it. And I just really uh, feel very fortunate that that did not happen in that case. But there you go, just dumb luck. Yeah, I'm sorry I put you on the spot, but that is a great story, and I think probably something that's kind of common, you know, with the towel count and 
your probably biggest fear as a doctor, did we leave anything in the patient? Did we leave anything in the patient? So again, you know, you coming back, I think that just attributes to, you know, you being a doctor, having the experience and checking in on someone that doesn't have the years of your experience, you know, because you've gone through your steps, you've done everything. So, I mean, I think that was a great story. Well, I would also say that, you know, you don't want to micromanage, especially your chief residents. You want them to become independent practitioners by the time they get there. So the question is, how do you bring them to that level without micromanaging them? How do you balance you know, respect for them as uh, future colleagues, and it's just really hard to do. You know, if you just close the fascia yourself all the time, uh, which is what many surgeons do because you're worried about uh, med malpractice and all the different things that can be brought up, you know, do they learn? And we struggle with that every day as teachers in the modern uh, era of surgical education. I don't have an easy answer for it, but I do want to share with everybody that I learned the word. It, I didn't know this at first. I believe it's called a gossipiboma, which is the fancy term for retained surgical towel or like a Raytech or one of these cloth things in the abdomen. It's called a, if I recall right, it's called a gossipiboma. Um, but uh, just wanted to share that. <laughs> well, that that is a great story. And thank you so much for sharing. I know it's not super comfortable to tell the bad things, but, you know, it's something that we can learn for, from, and I'm sure that there are some residents or some doctors out there that just hearing the struggle or hearing these stories, you know, they shake their head, they laugh, but then they also, you know, feel a little better in case something's ever happened to them that they find regrettable without sleep or without experience. Yeah, true. I mean, the question is always, is it, are you the person who it's schadenfreude for us? And we're like, oh, God, that's terrible. But it's dark joy because you're like, oh, it wasn't me. Or are you the person who is like, well, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. Like, thank God that wasn't me. I really feel for that guy. And uh, I've as I've gone on in my career, uh, I started off much more as the, you know, kind of schadenfreude, like, oh, God, that was so stupid, you know, to more of the. I get it, you know, and I think uh, that comes with experience and I hope that's something I can pass along that really, you know, we want to just make the lines of Frogger line up so that we don't have these issues and we don't just misattribute every issue that we have to, oh, that person just did something dumb. Uh, because in a similar situation, you know, smart people will act similarly. So the gallbladder in the bag got left in, not because that surgeon was suddenly stupid for once in his life, but more likely distracted by a million things going on. And I think that should really be the, one of the take home messages from our surgical misadventures talk today. There's got to be a lot of stuff that line up uh, to uh, produce one of these surgical misadventures typically. Some we can control, like our mental model of what's going on and our cognitive stuff and are we making good decisions? Are we technically able to do this? All those things, yeah, we can control more directly. But any opportunity we have to influence, you know, work environment and these kinds of things. And then there are some things we can't influence at all, like a busload of people comes in and our system is overwhelmed. We just have to do the best we can. Uh, there are some things we're just not able to control completely. I definitely agree that, you know, it's, you can only control what's in your line, you know, studying, knowing your material, mentally going through the surgery, knowing what you're supposed to do. You can't control interruptions. You can't control, you know, if there's 
other things that are happening in the surgery that were unexpected. You can only control what you know and make the best decision that you can at that time. And I mean, that's really important just to, you know, the difference between being humble and having hubris, that word, I love that word, hubris, (laughs) and just trying to do your best. Well, you're right. And I'll tell you this, Absite Smackdown, one of the reasons to write it for me uh, with everybody was a refresher uh, to make sure that I kind of have the basics still. And that was very useful. Uh, But also there have been times uh, when I was a resident that I wish I'd had things like the lectures available so I could uh, review quickly anywhere and the book chapters or the book in my pocket to look stuff up pretty quickly for hey, I'm about to do this hepatobiliary thing that replaced right hepatic artery. That's pretty common arterial variant. It sits behind the common duct. It's kind of got a, you know, I shouldn't really be there, but it may be in the area. These kinds of things. And, you know, that was really part of the incentive uh, for me to, to do this book and uh, just all the time and everything. And it was very useful. And I just hope Additionally, uh, the people find it useful for the same stuff, just as a quick review for resident staff before they walk into, you know, any hepatobiliary or breast procedure, whatever, they can just pull this thing out or they can watch the video uh, that day or the day before on any platform. So I really hope that they find it useful for that because I sure have. I mean, yeah, it definitely is useful for them. But as you have said yourself, it's useful for you as, you know, a long-term surgeon just to have that quick little reminder. So just one of the many things that's great about Absite Smackdown. (laughs) Well, Dr. David, it was great having you on. I loved hearing the stories, getting to see that little side of you. So thank you again for coming on. And I look forward to working with you again. Thanks for tuning in, guys. You have a great day. And again, hashtag Absite Smackdown. Thanks for listening to the Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit us at absitesmackdown.com for more great Absite facts.